If you'd like to attend the next Mad Thing in a Masjid event, inshallah ta'ala, live in a the masjid, then click on the link below. It will take you to a Telegram group that has the details for all the events that we do, inshallah. And you can then find the details for the next Mad Thing in a Masjid, which will be on a Saturday, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah amma ba'd. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Brothers, inshallah ta'ala, today we're going to take some examples from the lives of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the companions, you can focus on them from many angles, but the angle I decided to focus on them today, inshallah, is their angle from battle. And the reason I chose battle is because in battle they gave the ultimate sacrifice. And that sacrifice was their lives. And the reason I'm going through this with you is because this deen is about sacrifice. And what Allah has asked you and I to sacrifice is a lot less what, than, they, than what they were asked to sacrifice. We're asked to sacrifice a bit of time to pray our salah. We're asked to sacrifice a bit of our desires so we don't sleep around with girls even though we can have them in marriage. We're asked to sacrifice music, drugs, a bit of haram money. These kind of things. Maybe we'll sacrifice we're told to sacrifice our reputation. Someone looked at us a certain type of way. We're told, stay humble, stay humble. Don't, don't clap back at him. You think, but he's getting on to me. I'm going to look like an idiot. Sacrifice your reputation for the sake of Allah. Little things compared to what they were told. So we're going to inshallah ta'ala go through different examples. So verses in the Quran, then we'll take some stories here and there, little bits and bobs. Sometimes we'll go off on a tangent because there might be a little fatty there in there inshallah ta'ala. But that's the general theme. Behind what we're doing today, inshallah ta'ala. As a verse in Surah Al-Ahzab, where Allah Azza wa Jalla says, That from the believers, there are men. Pay attention. Allah didn't say there are males, there are men. In the Arabic language, there are, there's a word for man, and there's a word for male. Male is dhakar. Vukur is the plural. Rajul is a man. Rijal is men. Allah Azza wa Jalla, when he talks about a person, Who's got a, he's got a man's private part, that's a male. That doesn't make him a man though. A man is someone who has certain characteristics. In this verse, Allah is talking about men. There are men from the believers. They were truthful. In a promise that they made to Allah Azza wa Jal. Being truthful when you make a promise to Allah is a sign of manhood. How many of us break promise to Allah? You know what? I'm going to start praying now. And then two days later, he slips up. You know what? I'm done with girls. And then three, four days later, he slips up. You know what? I'm done to hang around with a man. He says this, but he's not truthful to himself, not truthful to Allah. He thinks he's a man because he walks around, he's bopping, he might even have a tool on him. But that's not a man. A man is a one who can stay truthful to the promise he makes to Allah. This verse is about a companion called Anis ibn Nadar radiallahu anhu. This companion, his story is powerful. The battle of Badr was a battle where the companions who fought in that battle had a very high status. And these companions, they were the elite. There was about 310, 11, 12 of them approximately. Some of the men who couldn't make it to that fight, they were hurt. How did I not make it in the first battle against the kuffar fighting next to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? 
One of the men who was hurt by this, who was upset by this, was a man called Anas ibn Nadar anhu. And he said, if Allah gives me another chance to fight next to the messenger, he said, I'm going to show Allah what I can do. He said, I'm going to show Allah what I can do. And before long, he gets that opportunity. The battle of Uhud comes. When the battle of Uhud comes, Anas ibn Nadar anhu, He's got some grapes in his hand or some dates. And as he's eating them, there's a companion called Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad next to him. He looks at Sa'ad. He says, if I live long enough to eat these grapes, I've lived too long. I'm not trying to be alive. I'm trying to go in there and die for the sake of Allah. I want to give my life for the sake of Allah. Not give up drugs. Not give up music. Not give up haram money. Not give up your girlfriend. Well, honestly, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to break it to you, but I think she might even be talking to a couple of men. <laughs> Behind you, right? It was COVID, it was lockdown, you don't even know what she's been up to, my brother. I think you're a real guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you were asked to sacrifice them kind of things. He's saying, I'm ready to sacrifice my life. My life. And then he said, I can smell the fragrance of Jannah from Uhud. I smell paradise. So he ran in and he fought. And he fought ferociously. And in that battle, he died. And he became from the martyrs. He had 80 plus wounds on his body from being struck by a sword to being stabbed or to being hit with arrows. His body was so damaged in the battle that it couldn't even be recognized his sister when you know at the end of the battle you look for the dead right so you could bury them she only recognized him because of one of his fingers he had a unique marking he had a unique thing on his finger from that she recognized him i said this is my brother he gave himself for the sake of allah pay attention the ayah said minal mu'minina what rijal men pay attention sometimes the sisters you can reach the level of manhood. Pay attention, not male. We're not onto this transgender thing. You understand? It's not, it's not what the dean's about. I, have to keep, I, have to, I, I don't know what you lot have been taught in school. But it's not that. But manhood, as in characteristics of a man. There was a woman in the battle of Uhud, and I keep it real with you, my brothers. I'm not shy to say she was more of a man than me. And you shouldn't take offense when I say she was more of a man than all of us, unless there is some chosen few here. When the battle of Uhud happened, some of the companions started to retreat because they started to lose. They thought the Prophet was dead. The women didn't go into battle, they would come and they would just serve water. There was a woman called Nusayba. Her name was Nusayba. Her kunya was Umm Umara. She saw the companions running off and she said, Give the shield to the one who's fighting if you're not fighting. I mean, I'm going to go in. She went into battle, a woman, and she fought ferociously. And they found the Prophet ﷺ was actually alive. So she went around the Prophet and fought to defend him. The Prophet said, when I turned right, I saw Umara. When I turned left, I saw her. When I looked there, I saw her. The Prophet said, the way that she fought on that day, the way she fought on that day, she fought like this. And in the middle of the battle, she's fighting. And she said, oh, Messenger of Allah, make dua that Allah makes me go to paradise. And the Prophet makes that dua for her in the middle of the battlefield. And she's fighting, she's fighting, she's fighting. She took, if I'm not mistaken, and memory serves me right, 
11, 12, 13 wounds to her body that day, that woman. In fact, for her lifetime, she fought in many battles after that. In the Battle of Yamama, she even lost her hand. Her hand got chopped off. I said, that's a woman sacrificing her life for the sake of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we find it hard to sacrifice a bit of time in the sleep to come to the masjid and then the sunnah of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The kuffar are insulting our messenger every single day. They're attacking him every single day. Why? Because we're ignorant. We don't know our deen. So we allow them to attack the messenger. In the time of the prophet, they could never attack the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There'd be a companion right there. There'd be a companion right there. The prophet, one of the mushriks. Urat ibn Mas'ud came to negotiate with the Prophet he grabbed the Prophet's beard which was a custom of showing manners to the Arabs when they grabbed the beard and it was, there was a companion who was standing next to the Prophet he had his sword and he smacked his hand with the sword they don't touch his beard sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a mushrik couldn't even touch the messenger's beard sallallahu alayhi wa sallam couldn't even touch the hairs on his face let alone now try and insult him and write books about him and what? I'm not telling you to go and chop off a magazine guy's head. I'm not saying that. That's not our deen. No, it's not. It's not. You choose to live in their country. At the end of the day, you choose to live here, right? You choose to live in a country where you know that they allow the insult of the messenger. Allah told us, Fulfill your contracts. We know that it's a country, but I can't go around killing people. So you can't do that. But at the very least, if you're not going to do hijrah, learn your deen. Learn your deen so you can defend the messenger. So you can pay attention. You know they only insult the messenger because we're weak. We don't know our deen. We don't implement our deen in the first place. If we implemented our deen, they couldn't say nothing. I'll tell you an example of another woman who was more, what? Who was more? Who was more manly than us. Her name was Umm Sulaim. Anyone know who Umm Sulaim is? Umm Sulaim. If I ask you who Nemo is right now, you're going to tell me, no, it's not even Nemo, it's Neymar. You're going to get offended. And it's Malik, barakallahu feet, mashallah. Do you know who Neymar is? You don't even know, do you? See, that's why he knows. Do you understand? That's why he knows. <laughs> May Allah bless you. She was the mother of Anas ibn Malik. Anas was the one who served the Prophet. He was close to the Prophet when, when, and, um, when the Prophet came to Medina and throughout. She was married to a man called Abu Talha because Anas's father died. So the wife is Umm Sulaim and, and, and the husband is Abu Talha. In the Battle of Hunayn, she had, she, had, she had a shank on her. <laughs> she had a shank on her, she's around the battlefield. She had a knife, a dagger. And then Abu Talha, he says, a messenger of Allah goes, look, there goes Umm Salim, and she's got a dagger on her. And they're like, Umm Salim, what are you doing? And she's saying, listen, if a mushrik comes, comes close, if a mushrik comes by and I'm in the battle, I'm putting it in him. He's, he's going to get it. Imam Dahibi, rahmanullah ta'ala, mentions in his seerah, Al-Amanubala. Pay attention, that woman, I don't want you to think that these women were just savages, by the way, because the person would think, rah, these are some manly kind of women. Let me tell you what Umm Salim was like. Let me tell you the kind of righteous woman she was, the way she was good to her husband. Pay attention. When her and her husband, Abu Talha, had a son, her son died while Abu Talha was out. He died. Imagine a man losing a child who's just been born. Would that not break your heart? Whose heart would it break more, the mother or the father? The mother. She carried him. She, she birthed him. She breastfed him. She put her pain to, to the side. You know why? to be there for her husband. She looked at her family members, she said, none of you tell my husband about this, I will tell him myself. Why? She wanted to, look, bad news, bad news at the end of the day. But she wanted to try and give him the bad news in a way that it would lessen the blow as much as possible. 
Abu Talha comes home and she's beautified herself for him. She's made food for him. She serves him food. After serving him food, she has intimacy with him. As a wife would with a husband, pay attention, she just lost her son, man. But she sticks, these are people that live for their akhirah. Don't worry, I'm going to see my son in Jannah, inshallah. Now I'm a wife and I got, I got, I got, I got to fulfill the rights of my husband. And I got, I got to just be as good as I can be to him. She didn't even have to, it's understandable. But look at the level that they were ready to go. She put her emotions to the side. Brothers can't put their own emotions to the side nowadays. Emotional. Some of us, honestly, are like females. They were just emotional. And here we have this woman. She lost her son. She put her emotions to the side. And she went to him and she gave him what he needed as a man. After he'd been served food and then after he had relieved himself from his spouse in a way that a man does from his wife. She said, I have some news for you. Our son died already. Obviously, he's going to be upset at the end of the day. I mean... At the end of the day, a man, no matter when, when you give him that advice, he's going to be hurt, right? But look at her approach. Her approach, let me try and lessen the blow. Then her husband went, Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know what the Prophet said? He said, that intimacy that you had with your wife that night, she's pregnant. They're going to have a kid because of it. Some women will look at it and say, whoa, look, feminism, this, that, you know, this, you know all that kind of kalam. My point is, she put Allah first, my deen first. Let me do what the deen says. She lost the child because of her obedience and her intention. Allah gave her one. Not just that, one of the narrators of the hadith said that they had nine. They had nine kids at the end of the day in Medina. They saw them, nine. May Allah blessed and put barakah in that relationship. Lost one, but because of your obedience and your approach, nine. Some brothers are thinking, where can I find a wife like that? Tell me, put your hand up if you are thinking that. You're sticking that, right? You're sticking that. You're sticking that. Who wants to know how to find a wife like that? You want to know how to find a wife? You want to, you want to know? What about you? How old are you? 11. <laughs> Shall I tell you something? You know, there was a companion called Amr ibn As. And he had a kid at the age of 11. Say that again? He wants to know now. But in this country, they're going to say it's illegal. So listen, I'm not telling you to break the law. Don't, don't. Don't bring that back to me. <laughs> I'm not encouraging nothing. Like. <laughs> Let me tell you how. How to get a wife like that. Shall I tell you how? There's a verse in the Quran. Allah said, What does that mean? Allah said, Is there any reward for good other than good? Meaning, if you do good, you will get good. You will be rewarded the way you behave. So if you want a woman like that, you've got to be a certain type of man. To deserve a woman like that. Pay attention. I told you she had a husband. What's her husband's name? Abu Talha. Should we look at who the man was? In that same battle, the battle of Uhud, where that woman went out to defend the Prophet, what's her name? Nusayba. That same battle, Abu Talha and realized that they're throwing arrows at the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he didn't have a shield to cover him. So he made his body a human shield for him. And he landed multiple arrows in his chest. He took arrows in his chest. For the sake of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he took many before he finally dropped. Before he couldn't take it anymore. He's saying, a man deserves a woman like that. The stronger your deen is, the better your woman's going to be to you. Fudayr ibn Abi, when he used to come home and he said, if my wife was disobeying me, I knew it only happened because of my sins. If my kids are disobeying me, it only happened because of my sins. Fix yourself in terms of your relationship with Allah and everything else is going to fall into place. You understand? So a woman like that is for a man like that. 
something straight away the smile went off your face you should have high aspirations and say I'm, I'm okay i'm gonna try and be a man like that and don't say oh he's a companion i can't reach his level it's true you can't but still compete with him there was a man called abu muslim al-khawlani ta'ala at night time he used to pray to allah when he was so tired he had a stick would smack his leg to wake himself up and he would say he would say abu bakr has already beaten you at the fountain he's racing ahead of you compete with him you have that mindset of he's a companion he's better than me of course I'm still giving him a run for his money in the sense where I'm still going to work hard. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's why when people like Imam al-Bukhari came about hundreds of years after the companions, 200 years approximately after the companions, 190 or just actually, but some of, some of the ulama, they said, if the companions saw al-Bukhari, they would have been shocked. They would have been amazed. If they saw this man, they would have said, you know what I'm saying? Ibn Taymiyyah. We're not saying he's a companion or better than a companion. Well, yeah, be like, no. But these are men where it's like, okay, mashallah, you come late, but they're going hard. Allah mabari. Does that make sense? That same battle, the battle of Uhud, the Muslims lost. They lost because a small group of them disobeyed the Prophet. That shows if you disobey the Prophet, if you disobey, they're going to have problems in your life. The companions, some of them lost, disobeyed the Prophet. And they lost the battle. That shows if you disobey Allah's messenger, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala primarily, they're going to have some problems in your life. Pay attention. When the battle of Uhud ended, 70 companions were killed. They were martyrs. 70 of them. From the most Abu Hamza. From the most Anas ibn Nadr. From the most Musa ibn Umayyad. Many of them died. And can you imagine the sadness that the Muslims must be feeling when they lost that battle? Can you imagine the sadness that they must be feeling? The sadness, the pain, the sorrow. Not just that, not just mentally, not just emotionally, but bro, physically, man, some of them lost limbs. Some of them got wounds, some of them got cut, some of them stabbed. I told you, Umar took about 10 plus wounds to her body. The next day, after the battle, the next day, the Prophet gets a message. The Quraysh have decided to come back. They made a plan. They said, listen, Muhammad and his companions are weak. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Every time you hear that name. Every time you hear that name, say, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Him and his companions are weak. Let's go back and finish them. Let's go back and finish them off. Let's go back and finish them off. So they sent a man to send a message to the Prophet. Why would they do that? Is that not giving away your tactic? No, because in their mind, they're already weak. We finished them off. Killed 70 of their men, the rest of them are wounded, mentally exhausted, this, that. We're on top right now. And not just that, it's to mentally play with you. It's to mentally play with you. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And that, and that, that will make you act out, make mistakes, rush, confuse, stress. So they said, Muhammad, they're coming. When a man came to the Prophet and he told him, listen, they're coming back for you. The Prophet said, Hasbi Allah! Allah is enough for me. What do you mean they're coming back? You're trying to scare me? We're not scared. And in the back, you hear the companion scream, Hasbi Allah! Allah is going to take care of us. What does Hasbi Allah mean? Allah is enough for me. I'm going into battle. Allah is enough for me. And he ruled like lions like that. And the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam turned around and he said, listen, every single person who fought in the battle yesterday, line up, we're going again. And the Prophet said, no one extra can join unless he fought yesterday. Why? Because he didn't want to bring no fresh, young warriors. 
He said, these people, they think that they can come to us when we're weak. We're taking these same weak ones back. Some of them got cuts, some of them got wounds. That same woman, Omar, she come back, join the army. The only one extra companion that was allowed to fight was a young man called Jabir ibn Abdullah because his father died in that battle. And he said to him, stay behind with my daughters, you can't fight. He had to take care of his sisters. And he said, Yo, Messenger of Allah, can I please come and fight? And the Prophet allowed him to come. And they went out, they charged out. They charged out to the battlefield. And when they charged out, they came to a place called Hamra'ul Asad. This is known as the Battle of Hamra'ul Asad. Who even knew this battle existed? Badr Uhud. That's what most of us hear. Bear battles. <laughs> There's many. This is one called Hamra'ul Asad. They got to that place, and guess what? Kufar are like, yo, this, this, yo, they're on some stuff. These guys have come back, like, these same ones? Allah put fear in their heart. They turned around and said, listen, they'll come back another day. So really, who won though? Really, who won that? The companions. When they disobeyed the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa they lost. When the prophet said, come, 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 they all came. Allah captures this battle in Surah Ali Imran. Allah says, The believers, they responded to the messenger. They responded to Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When? After they had been wounded. They were hurt. They were bleeding. They had lost loved ones. Some of them, their dad is dead. Maybe their brother is dead. Maybe their son is dead. أصابهم القر. They didn't fear. وَاتَّقَوَ أَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah said, قَالَ لَهُمْ النَّاسِ The ones that, these, these men that Allah is talking about, they came to them. The people, they came to them. They said, إِنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ جَمَعُوا لَكُمْ They said, the people have gathered on you, Muhammad. They're coming for you. They're coming for you. And when they heard that, فَزَادَهُمْ إِيمَانًا They didn't get scared. Then if you're like, no, has Allah let us down? No, I've been practicing my deen for a little bit and I'm trying to do this thing halal, but I'm not getting a job. Oh my God, does Allah not love me? Let me go back to selling drugs. No, no, no. فَزَادَهُمْ imana. The iman increased. And they said, حَسْبِي Allah. Allah is going to take care of us. وَنِعْمَ الْوَكِيلِ And he subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best to take care of us. And what Allah says, فَانْقَلَبُوا بِنِعْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَفَضْلٍ وَلَمْ يَمْسَسْهُمْ سُوءُ وَتَبَعُوا رِضْوَانَ اللَّهِ then Allah says, إِنَّمَا ذَا تَيْتَشْ إِنَّمَا ذَلِكُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ يُخَوِّفُ أَوْلِيَاءَهِ فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونِي إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Allah said, that's shaytan. He's trying to make you scared of his friends. The kfar are his friends. He's trying to make you scared. Don't be scared of shaytan. Be scared of me. How does shaytan make you scared? Does that how he make you scared? Of what? If you grow your beard, you're not going to get the job. Charles Bob Dangles, you're not going to get Sister Wisdom Dikab, she's going to get attacked in the streets. He makes you scared. You're going to go do hijrah, it's going to be hard. If you leave this off, it's not going to happen again. If you dump your girlfriend, what, you're not going to find another woman as beautiful. Wherever shaitan is, Allah said, Inna shaitana ya'idukum al-faqr. Shaitan promises you poverty. Rock Afon, he threatens you with poverty. Shaitan says, listen, you're going to give charity. You're going to be poor, you're going to be broke. وَيَأْمُرُكُمْ بِالْفَحْشَةِ And then he commands you to do filth. He says, listen bro, if you, if you don't stop selling drugs, if you don't stop doing these AC scams, if you don't stop doing all of these things, hey, you're gonna go broke. If you don't, what, what? If you don't, if you don't leave the music thing, how are you gonna make money? You didn't go to uni. He just makes you scared. Then he tells you to do evil. He says, okay, now go sell the drugs. Okay, now go get grab that girl. Okay, now go. Do, oh, now go. Do, now go do. Now go do that. Allahu, 
والله سي ان الشيطان يعيدكم الفقر ويامركم بالفحشاء بالفحشاء والله يعيدكم مغفره منه وفضله الشيطان ميل 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 we fell into listening to shaitan's threat over the promise of Allah. A shaitan can't do nothing. Allah can do everything. Every guy who sells drugs, listen to music, who's doing haram, any evil that it is, and he's like, I can't stop this, it's too hard for me. And he's scared to stop it for whatever reason. Sometimes we don't say scared, but you, know, you don't want to stop it because you think, whatever, there's going to be a consequence. You, whether you like it or not, have listened to the promise of shaitan that shaitan gave you over the threat of shaitan over the promise of Allah. And then on top of Allah says, Allah is going to forgive you about it for all your sins. All the mistakes that you did, shaitan, I'm going to forgive you for all of it. They don't listen. But his companions didn't care. They said, listen, shaitan, whatever. We're coming. Allah is going to take care of us. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. I tell you something shocking. In that same battle, I told you the companions lost, right? They lost, right? So at the end of the battle, they hurt. They thought the Prophet died. So the Prophet himself got hit in the head, bleeding. He lost the tooth. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Well, it was, it, was, it was painful, man. It was painful. But guess what happened? Allah said, Allah said, after the distress, after you lot lost those people, after you lot got wounded, after you got injured, in that battle, in the end of the battle, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said he sent down upon you security. Al-amn and al-amna are two words that have a similar meaning. They both mean safety, but al-amn means safety and the reason for being scared has gone. Al-amna means safety and the reason to be scared is still there. For example, a lion's chasing you, and you now feel safe because the lion's gone. That's al-amn. Al-amna is that you are feeling safe and the lion's still there. You know, you know I'm not even worried about the lion. They're in the battlefield. At the end of the battle, the people have died around them. Allah said, After the distress, after the pain, after the suffering, Allah sent down upon you al-amna, safety, even though the threat is still there. <laughs> The manager's dead. And, and the companion's like, I'm not even scared. Like, imagine. Like, that's surreal. you got a problem in your life. And it's right in front of you. The lion is roaring in your face. Because remember, at the end of the day, you can't do anything now, right? You've lost the battle. But how you feel is a thing that's like mental health, mental health. This, everyone's talking about mental health. It's an internal thing. Okay, so Allah's no problem. I give you safety. Ibrahim's in the fire. And he's what? Relaxing. They threw him in the fire and he's relaxing. He's relaxing. Right? So it's not about where you live or the house that you have. It's about the state of the heart. And then Allah gives you that based on how you worship him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Farrigh, make yourself free for my worship. And I will place richness in your heart. And relaxation, you'll be chilling. Does that make sense? And Allah will then give you, he will take away from you poverty. But if you don't make yourself free for Allah's worship, Allah said, then Allah will place problems inside of you. He'll give you problems. 
you're stressed about everything. And Allah will not stop poverty from coming to you. It's about worshipping Allah. Does that make sense? So Allah says, safety, <laughs> even though the enemy's right there. And what? Nu'asin. They started to fall asleep. Can you imagine that? That Allah made them so relaxed that they started to fall asleep in the battle, my brothers. Imagine the lions in front of you. He's right there. And you're like, I want to feel safe. You know what? Let me just go take a nap. Let me just take a nap. Abu Talha. Who's Abu Talha? Who's Abu Talha? I told you about him a second ago. Hmm? He's the one, sorry? He made himself a shield for the Prophet Ali, and his wife is who? Sulaim radiallahu ta'ala anha. He said, Hadith Sahih Muslim, he said, I was from the ones who was hit by that nu'as, that sleepiness. The, the, I think he, he said, my spear that I was holding in my hand, it just kept falling out my hand, just kept dozing off. You don't fall asleep by dozing off. Does that make sense? That's from Allah, like you're in the battlefield, enemies right there. And by the way, scholars took from this that if there's a problem in your life, like a serious problem, like a serious situation to be scared, and you're able to sleep, because you can't sleep when there's problems, right? You can't sleep when you know what? You got caught in the morning. You can't sleep when what? The ops are after you. You can't. You can't sleep when you're, you know. When, but if you can sleep, it's a sign of Allah's mercy. Don't worry. Allah's taking care of you. Allah's taking care of you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Now we'll go to the Battle of Hunayn and take some little snippets from it. Allah says, لَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَوَاطِنَ كَثِيرَةٍ وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنٍ إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثْرَتُكُمْ فَلَمْ تُغْنِ عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ ثُمَّ وَلَّيْتُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah had given you victory in many places. Let's talk to the companions. Many places Allah gave you victory. In many regions. In Badr. The Battle of Hamra al-Asad. The battle of what? Al-Ahzab. Many places Allah said Allah gave you victory. The conquest of Mecca, Khaybar, all of these things. With Banu Quraidh, Banu Qaynuqa, Banu Nadi. Victories Allah gave to the Prophet ﷺ and his companions. But on the day of Hunayn, this, this was the biggest army the Muslims had fought ever. But they just conquered Mecca. So now, they got all of Mecca now to add to their army. So they went out against the people of Hunayn. And guess what? Some of the people that were in the, in the army, they said, today we're not going to lose. Why? They said, because of how big our army is. Why is this a problem? They, 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 now they trusted other than Allah. They trusted Allah. Allah said, منزلين بلاء تصبر وتتقوي يأتوكم من فورهم هذا ينزلكم ربكم بخمسة آلاف من الملائكة المسومين وما جعله الله إلا بشرى لكم لتطمئن قلوبكم به ومن نصر إلا من عند الله العزيز الحكيم الله سيد محمد الله الله send down 5,000 angels to fight next to you to fight with you and your companions why? لتطمئن قلوبكم به to make your hearts peaceful. Like, imagine I told you, ah, we're going to war. Guess what? Allah send them Jibreel with us. They're going to feel evil. Jibreel. What? The one who took, what? Them man there. You know the man that were doing the mad thing? And he flipped them and them man there. On one wing, he literally flipped the whole village. He's going to fight with us. How are you going to feel? 
You're going to say, I'm going to the front line. I'm going to take me to the front. I've got Jibreel with me. That's what you're going to think, alive. So it's just to make you feel confident, relaxed. But then straight to Allah, say, man nasu. But the victory it comes from no one except for Allah. You in Badr, your numbers are small and you won it. Hunayn, your numbers are big. Now you're going to start to lose. Because you think it's based on numbers. Brothers, it's based on Tawheed. It's based on Iman. In the Battle of Badr, Lukasha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his sword broke. He came to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa said to him, Hey, take the branch of this tree and go fight. Imagine I gave you a branch of a tree to fight in a battle. What are you going to say to me? You're going to say, No, I just said my sword broke. Or like, you might even say like, No, I'm not trying, like, as in some people might even try and make a joke out of it. Like, I'm not trying to build a fire. I'm trying to, like, as in my sword broke. I don't need, like, firewood or no, he just said, okay, no problem. The messenger gave it to me from Allah. So he went into the battle with a, with a branch and he fought. My brother, he wasn't fighting with the branch. He was fighting with his iman. It's tawheed, tawheed. Connection with Allah, worshiping Allah. No shirk. That's what Allah said, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, uh, Allah makes a promise to those who have iman and who do righteous deeds from you. Allah is going to give you khilafah on the earth. And after, at the end of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is going to change your state of fear to a state of safety. Allah is going to give you khilafah. Your religion is going to be firm and established for you. And Allah is going to make you safe. He's going to take the, the fear away from you. The fear that the Muslims have all around the world. Allah is going to give you strength and victory and you're going to be on top. But there's a condition. Worship me alone and don't do no shit. No shit. No shit. No shit whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. No shit. Don't be wearing the names of other gods like Nike on your t-shirts and your hoodies and your trainers. That's the name of another god. None of these tawizes don't say swear down. These are all minor shirk. Don't be showing off in acts of worship. And therefore, you don't be doing no major shirk. Calling out to graves and other things and whatnot and so on and so on. No. Tawheed. So you learn books like Usul al-Thalatha wa Adilatuha. You study books like Al-Qawad al-Arba. You study books like Kitab al-Tawheed. You study these books so you can learn Tawheed. Because that's what the companions had. Because they, 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 they understood they didn't lose. And this occasion when they said it's based on numbers, because nowadays you hear people say, well, it's based on numbers, right? Palestine, what just recently happened? It was a madness, right? May Allah have mercy on our brothers and sisters who passed away and give strength to those who are still alive and the rest of the Muslims around the world that are suffering. I mean. So what was everyone's solution? Let's go protest. And it doesn't matter if you've got the girls that are wearing their tights, some of them skirts, coming out in music, holding hands with kuffar and whatnot, but as long as we can get numbers out in the streets. Did it do anything? Nothing. Has it done anything ever? A million men came out to protest in the UK for the Iraq. What happened? Did it do anything? And they say, million, million men, million men came out. Brothers, it's not about numbers. The Prophet said, Ra'eetun Nabi wa laysa ma'ahu ahad. I saw a messenger. I saw a Prophet, sorry, and he didn't even have a single Prophet. He didn't have a single follower with him. He didn't have a single follower. Was that Prophet a failure? It's not about the numbers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, yeah, Allah said, وَقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ لَا تُكَلَّفُ إِلَّا نَفْسَكُ Muhammad, you, go and fight. and Don't, even, don't, don't, don't worry about anyone else. You on your own. قَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُكَلَّفُ إِلَّا نَفْسَكُ Just you focus on yourself. He was told to go to battle on his own, so not even worry about anyone else. It's not about the numbers. 
what Ibn Mas'ud said, Anta jama'a walau kunta wahada. You are the jama'a even if you're alone that day. So Allah said, Laqad nasarakum Allah fi mawatina kathiratin wa yawma hunayn idh a'jabatkum kathiratukum. Allah gave you many victories, but that day, you became amazed with your number. Alam tughni ankum shay'an. I didn't help you. Wadaqat alaykum al-ardu bima rahubat. And the earth, despite being so big, it became tight on you. Became tight on you. Does that make sense? So what happened was that some of the people, because remember, so, and by the way, we can make an excuse for these companions. Do you know why? Because these were new. I told you they just accepted Islam a few days ago when the Prophet conquered Mecca and there were new additions to the army. It's not talking about Abu Bakr and Umar. And this. No, it's not talking about the, 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 the ones that have been there from before. No, they're talking about the new ones, the young ones who just joined Islam a few days ago. So they made a mistake. But Allah wanted to teach them. So what happens? The arrows started raining down. What happened? The arrows started raining down, and that's it. And by the way, the arrows were hardly missing. Bang, 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 bang. The kuffar were just one by one hitting the Muslims. And the Muslims started to fall like flies. And what, what happens when you do this now? It's gone. Because they were young and they just joined. They just joined the army. They just joined Islam a couple of days ago. So they, what, they turned back on there. There was an A, and they retreated. They, they, they did what? They retreated. You know what shocks me about this story more than anything else? Is that the Prophet ﷺ never retreated though. The Prophet ﷺ, we're talking about companions, right? You can't forget to talk about the leader though. Muhammad ibn Abdullah ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ, when he, when, he, when he saw, the Prophet ﷺ, he went forward. He went forward and he started to say, Ala nabiyu la kadib. He, he marched into the army and said, Ana nabiyun la kadib. I am a prophet and I'm not lying. Wa ana muttalib. And I am the son of my grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. Pay attention. This is one of the proofs that he was, the messenger وسلم, was actually a real prophet. You know why? Because the prophet was lying. He was a fake prophet. As they claim, and this is by the way recorded in the history. This is this is official. This happens historically accurate. Ibn Kufar cannot try to say this is not historically accurate. This moment in history. If you know the science of hadith, you know that this is this is you can't argue with this narration. Historically, this is accurate. The Prophet did this. He marched in while the arrows are raining down, and he's saying, "I am the Prophet. I'm not lying." If he was a liar, wouldn't he have run back? And he had the conviction that don't worry, Allah is going to take care of me. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I told you the verse, Allah said, Allah said, Muhammad, you go and fight. فَقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Muhammad, go and fight. وَلَا تُكَلَّفُ إِلَّا نَفْسِكَ And don't worry about them. Pay attention on the messenger, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It was wajib for him to go into battle, even if he's alone. He can't retreat, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Even if he's one man, he has to go and fight alone against the army of 10,000 men, even if it were. Encourage the believers, Allah said. Tell them, join. Allah is going to make them weak. He's going to destroy them. Don't worry, Allah is going to give you victory. What do you know? Your Lord is with you. He's with you. Go in. You're alone, Muhammad. You're going to be good. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That was a real man, my brothers. What are we talking about here? 
You know what's shocking? Is that afterwards the Prophet he said to Abbas, who was with him, one of the, by the way, when the Prophet was there, not all of the companions there. If I'm not mistaken, there's about 10 companions who remained with him. Some of the, the, the veterans. One of them was the Prophet's uncle, Al-Abbas. He had a very loud voice. So the Prophet وسلم, he looked at Abbas and he said, he said, Abbas, call Ahlus Samurah. This was an elite group of companions who gave the pledge at the tree on the Bay'at al-Ridwan when the Muslims went in for Umrah and they heard that Uthman had been killed. He wasn't, but they heard. So the Prophet took a pledge to go and fight and they came for Umrah. They weren't ready for fighting. But it was an elite group of companions that Allah said, Allah is pleased with this group. So they were the first ones to be called. The Prophet said, Abbas called the people from the Bay'at al-Ridwan. And when he called them, he said they came back as if an animal had just left their child. The child called them back. They came right back to the Prophet and they fought. Then the Prophet called out the people of Ansar. And when they heard, they all came back. One by one, he's screaming, he's calling the people back. And they're all coming back to battle until they're fighting. They're all coming back until they are what? Until they're fighting. Guess what? As this fight is going on, Bara ibn Azib, who's a companion, he narrates, that the, the fight was serious. The fight was savage. It was hard. It wasn't an easy battle. And then he said, the Prophet, he said, he said, he said, When the fight would get intense, he said, when the fighting would get intense, we would fight behind the Messenger وسلم, to seek the protection from the bravest from amongst us with the Messenger of Allah. Like they imagine they had to fight behind him. He said, we fought behind him. When it would get serious, we think, no, it's going to be tough. We fight behind him. He was the bravest from us that day. Allah just said in the Quran to the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I want you to look at how Allah is talking to them. Allah said, "Qul in kana abaukum." Muhammad said to them that if your fathers, wa abnaukum, and your children, wa ikhwanukum, and your brothers, wa azwajukum, and your spouses, wa ashiratukum, and your relatives, wa amwalun, wa amwalun iktaraftumuha, wa tijaratun takshona kasadha. Your houses, your wealth, and the places that you live. is more beloved to you mean Allah than Allah and his messenger and striving and fighting the part of Allah. Then wait, because Allah is going to punish you. If any of these things are more beloved to you than Allah and His Messenger and striving the path of Allah, wait for the punishment now. Wait for the punishment too? <laughs> Who's Allah talking to here? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Abdurrahman, Sa'ad, Zubair, Talha, Ibn Ubaidullah, all of these men, Abu Ubaidah, Ibn Jarrah, 
And these great men who've been giving their life. Some of them not even alive when they died in the path of Allah. Allah is saying to them, if you love anything more than me and the messenger and strive in the path of Allah, then wait. Wait for the punishment of Allah to come. Pay attention. Are we in a state of jihad right now? So Allah's not going to hold you to account for what you don't have the ability to do. And I have to mention these things because I don't want someone to say or misunderstand and think I'm saying strap something to yourself and go blow yourself up. Does that make sense? The reality of the matter is jihad is a part of our deen. We're not shying away from that. And we're not going to be one of those little rats that talk in a corner about jihad, 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 jihad. And when, you know, if a situation was to ever come, we see them man saying, I can't marry now, you know. I've got kids. I've got kids. Because that's really people, they talk a lot. Talk a lot of nonsense. They're just emotional. Reality of the matter is we're not in a state of jihad. So put that to the side. And jihad is studied in the end of books of fiqh. The first thing we study is tahara, how to wash our bums with all due respect. Brothers are walking around and they've got stains on their underpants. And they don't even know if they can pray with it. And they want to talk about jihad. Does that make sense? Salah, zakat, siyam, hajj. So Allah is not going to hold you to account for what you don't have the ability to do. We are like the scholars said, Ibn Taylor being one of them. So when you're in the times of difficulty like this, then it's like Mecca. In Mecca, the companions were being killed and they still didn't fight because they didn't have the ability to do it. So they're not going to be held to account. For us, we're like that. Muslims are weak. They don't even pray five times a day. Man's talking about jihad and he comes late to the salah. Does he pray salah? Every now and again, he you know, starts he's, he's talking about jihad on Twitter and he's DMing girls. I know because then those girls, they DM me and say, can, can you expose this man? He's DMing me and he's talking about jihad. So I have to say, no, let's cover my man soon. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Does that make sense? What was the first part of the verse? If you love anything more than Allah and his messenger. Let's get that one right first. Jihad's part of the thing. I was denying that. But let's first talk about Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And by the way, jihad is also seeking knowledge. Allah said, وَجَاهِدْ هُمْ بِهِ جِهَادًا Kabira, do with them a big jihad. And that's talking about the Quran. How can you jihad in the Quran if you don't know it, you don't study it? You understand? In fact, seeking knowledge is more important than jihad. Abu Ubaidah, uh, Ubaidah ibn Salam Abu Ubaidah ibn said that every strike of the mujahid sword is between knowledge. These men who fought are ulama. You understand? Abdullah Mubarak spent six years seeking knowledge, teaching people, teaching the students. Over six months he spent in the jihad in the path of Allah. So seeking knowledge perfect is, is jihad. And by the way, seeking knowledge is the greatest act. Scholars actually, they discuss what's better, seeking knowledge jihad. And the strongest view is that definitely seeking knowledge is better than jihad. Why? Because what are you, what, what are you doing jihad for? For the deen to spread. That's what Allah said, when the mujahideen go out to fight, a group should stay behind. Why? So you can teach people. The deen is about knowledge. And that's the most. And, that's, and remember, these companions were seeking knowledge in Mecca for 13 years. Now they went into jihad. So the first thing, if you're, if you're talking about here, love Allah and his messenger, and what? Knowledge. Now, I'm sitting there telling you about what the companions did in the battlefield, but what about what the companions did in the circle of knowledge? You know, Abu Hurairah would collapse and faint because he hadn't eaten, because he was so poor and so focused on seeking knowledge. <laughs> we could have used those examples. I told you, there's many angles. We could, we could look at the companions sacrificing when it comes to knowledge. We could look at the companions sacrificing when it comes to jihad and many things. But right now, this is the topic. But don't forget, that's really where it's at. Does that make sense? What I want you to consider is that, though, the way Allah taught to these men. So strong, so strict. Can't love anyone more than Allah and his messenger. So I said, pay attention. Did these men love anyone more than Allah and his messenger? 
Now, what's the proof? Allah said, لا تجدوا قوما يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر يوادون من حاد الله ورسوله. Allah said, you will not find a group of people that love Allah and His Messenger, teaming up with, loving, working with. You won't find a group of people that believe in Allah and His Messenger, loving those who don't believe in Allah. You don't find. Allah said, you don't find. First, Allah said, you better not do it, right? Because you're going to get punished if you love anyone more than me and the Messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa And striving upon Allah. Then Allah tells you, you won't find it. If they believe in me, they're not going to love the kuffar more. To the point where Allah Azza wa Jal, He said, even if they're their fathers, even if it's their sons, it could be their brothers, it could be their relatives. They don't love them. Forget loving a kafir. If it's his own dad and he's a kafir against the deed, of course you can have that natural love for your dad if he's, even if he's a normal Muslim. Allah says, "Waswahi bo mafi dunya ma'arufa." A man's got a mom and dad who are not Muslim doesn't mean you have to hate them because you have that natural love. She's a mom at the end of the day, but you don't. But that, but it's limited to just a natural love. But you hate them for the kufr that's inside of them. Pay attention. What's this verse talking about? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu was a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He said, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, well, kanu abawm, even if it's their fathers, they, know, they don't love them. They don't, they don't work with them. They don't team up with them. They don't ally with them. Even if it's their fathers. He said, this is talking about Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah. When about al-Badr, his father kept stepping to him. His father kept stepping to him. And every time his father would step to him, he would turn away. He didn't want to fight his father. His father's with the kuffar. And he's trying to kill the Muslims. If he could, he would kill the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what? He's stepping to him. Abu Ubaidah, by the way, he's slicing for everyone. He's a, part, he's a warrior. He's the one who took over after Khalid ibn Walid. Imagine Khalid ibn Walid. While he was alive, Umar took Khalid ibn Walid down as the general. And he said, Abu Ubaidah, you're the general. Khalid, you're going to fight under him. So he's not, he's not a joke man. He's a warrior. But his father will come to him. A man doesn't want to face his father, even if he's a kafir, right? But Allah said, وَصَاحِبُ مَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوهَ Be good to them. Even though he's a kafir, be good to them. He doesn't want to fight his father. So he turned away. When he turned away, with fight, fight. He's going through the people. He's going through the ranks. Guess what? His father comes back. Father gives him no choice. Either my father is going to get through me and kill Muslims, and these lot are my, my, my brothers in Islam. The brothers are believers. The believers are brothers, Afwan. Blood is sticking in water, but they say, Blood is sticking in water. We say, Iman is sticking in blood. If he's going to get through me, my dad's going to harm Muslims. He might even harm the messenger. So I can't sit here and just let my dad chop me down. So he lifted his sword and took his dad's head off. That's painful, right? But no one asked you to do that. Just told you to pray five times a day, right? That's all you were told. Give you a cat, bro. No one told you to take your dad's head, bro. We were told just leave that girlfriend. We'll stop watching porn. I can stop bashing, bro. That's not all you were told. That's not I'm being serious. Not as a serious topic, bro. Does that make sense? Oh, I've been at home. Allah said they don't even choose their fathers or their sons. Who's the sons? It's Abu Bakr. On the battle of Badr, Abu Bakr came out and he said to his son, come, 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 me and you. Imagine a father saying, son. He said, today, my, my son, I'm going to show you our God. Our God, honestly, he didn't say it like that. I'm not trying to disrespect the companion of Allah. I'm just trying to tell you that he called his son out. Does that make sense? And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had to say, Abu Bakr relaxed, no one wants to take your son's life. But he was ready to do it. Does that make sense? And he gives examples like that of companions who went against their brothers and so on and so forth. Companions who went against their relatives. Radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. Does that make sense? Do you understand, brothers? Or you don't understand? 
Do you understand? Do you understand, right? Well, there's much that we can do. Much we can say about the companions of the Prophet Ali Sassam. But uh, the best speech is short and to the point. Anyone who has any questions, we'll try and take them, inshallah ta'ala. My advice to you, my brothers, is two things. Seek knowledge from someone who's on the sunnah of the Prophet Ali Sassam, not from the elevators. Now, there's a lot of people say sunnah, 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 manhaj, salaf, salafiyah, but they're not. It's not, it's just a claim. It's a claim, it's just a mere claim. The second thing is what? Be around good people. Be around righteous companionship. You could do whatever you want. If you don't do not one, but both of these things, you're going to slip up. And it's, it's just the way it is. I've been doing this for 10 years now. So I've become a parrot repeating statements. Good friends, seek knowledge. Good friends, seek knowledge. Good friends, seek knowledge. Whoever listen, they're still around, alhamdulillah. Whoever didn't, some of them are not even alive to tell the story. So that'll be my advice to you, my brothers. Yeah? That'll be my advice to you. And also, just to mention, I hate mentioning this because it makes, I feel like people have been programmed to think that when someone says this, it's like they're trying to water down the deen. Why Zawajal knows I'm not here to water down the deen. We took examples of the companions in battle and jihad. We are not in a state of jihad. The point was here not to pick up a strap and start shooting people. In this country or back home, wherever, whatever have you. It's not the point. It's not the point. These battles were at the end of the story. Look at the beginning. The knowledge, the seeking, the qiyamul layl, the siyam. The person can't even give half his wealth or a good portion of his wealth in charity. You say, I want to give my life? <laughs> Get out of it. I don't like it. He can't even give up what? He gets offended when you talk about supporting the football teams. Haram. What do you mean supporting football teams? It's extreme. In the head of us, you don't find a group who believe in Allah and his messenger that they love the disbelievers. And yeah, they were supporting Manchester United and the logo is a shaitan. Say, yeah, that's my team, the Red Devils. That's not even ready to hear the truth, bro. How are they going to hear the sounds of guns cracking? You understand? Work like that. So the point here is, seek knowledge. Study your deen. Learn your deen. Does that make sense? Manners. You don't have manners. Have manners, man. Respect the elders. What's your parents saying? Do you, do you, what do your parents say about you? Do you serve your parents? Do you love your parents? How do you speak to your dad? Do you screw face your dad? Say off to dad. Or do you see him kiss him on the forehead? Your dad is a general of your house. I don't care what he's on. He is your dad. About your mum. Do you serve your mum? These are our deen, brothers. When the time is right, we ask Allah to not make us from the hypocrites. If you'd like to get more information about when the next event is going to be, the location, time, place, date, click the link below and join the Telegram group that will take you to a group where we have all the information about all of our live events. 
wanted to give those of you who are not able to make it an opportunity to participate in the khair. And that is that inshallah, if you would like to contribute towards the expenses of these events, we don't charge anyone to attend, but we do have a lot of expenses, food, whatnot, the giveaways that attract the people to come in and whatever have you. As you can see, it brings in the youth, the youngsters, the ones who you know, we really need to reach out to them and get them in the masjid. Who knows, someone may come to the masjid, completely change their life. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the primary reason for that. But then Allah Azza wa Jalla might have made you a means for that person or those people to change. So donate as generously as you can at the link below. And inshallah ta'ala, please come and attend. So hopefully we see you there inshallah ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum, peace.